The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Well, um, my name is uh, Daishi, and I am um, really thrilled to be talking with you here late at night um, in the Netherlands, which is where I'm where I'm sitting right now. Um, but I'm a, a longtime lover of the village Zendo um, and have been practicing from a distance from a for for quite a while actually. Um, this has been the the, the far, farthest distance, and it's um, it's it's so it's so nice to have these occasional midnight gatherings with you. Um, it really feels such it's such a break from my the way I normally spend my midnights, and um, I see a lot of familiar faces, which just uh, is just very very nourishing to know that everyone's still practicing me me included so i wanted to explore tonight um something i've been noticing about my my practice and my life which is i feel like um there's this shift happening for me um of course, I don't know exactly how to categorize it, but it, I'll try. It, it seems like life is is shifting from, let's call it from a from a sprint to a marathon, um, maybe from a, a short term investment to a long term investment. And I've been working with what kind of effort this this long haul of mine requires, um, which feels really different to a kind of energy that I'm used to and maybe have drawn upon um, up until now. So this shift I think is happening um, for one reason, just because I keep showing up, I keep being alive. So so looking back is starting, it's starting to look like I'm hanging around for a while. But on top of that, um, looking forward, I've, I've made certain commitments um, and I've embarked on a number of adventures um, that really just can't be expedited. Um, they, they require a kind of settling into time. Uh, being a father, uh, a friend, a son, a husband, um, aspiring to be healthy and happy, um, and maybe, you know, most relevant to this evening, um, a commitment to our practice. Um, you know, how much time does it take, for example, to save all sentient beings uh, put an end to the inexhaustible desires, master all dharmas, and then attain the Buddha way. Is it, is it a short time to do these things? Is it a, a long time? And, and really, what kind of energy, what kind of effort is helpful for that kind of aspiration? Um, 
you know, early Buddhism refers us first to the, to the four noble truths, um, that suffering exists. Uh, it has a cause, it has an end, and that there is a way that can be followed to, to bring about its end, the end of suffering called the, the eightfold path. And, and one of these items on the eightfold path is, is right uh, effort. And I explored some of the suggestions around right effort. Um, of course, not all of them, but um, generally speaking, this effort is about, um, let's say, preventing unwholesome qualities, greed, anger, ignorance, um, extinguishing unwholesome qualities that have arisen, um, cultivating skillful or wholesome qualities um, that have not yet arisen and, and strengthening wholesome qualities that have already arisen. Okay. Um, what about getting a little closer to home, the, the Mahayana tradition? Well, we find, you know, written two-dimensional guidance in the, the six paramitas or perfections, and in particular, this uh, varaya paramita of strength and diligence to stay on the path, um, even when it becomes difficult or uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, for me, when I hear um, kind of these brief cursory descriptions, they can sound a bit like an, like an imposition of the will, like a forceful effort to, um, you know, for example, on the one hand, maybe push down a moment of anger, or on the other side, to manufacture a feeling of kindness towards oneself or another. And I think certainly that, uh, you know, this kind of effort can be helpful for a time, um, but there's another kind of effort that our practice encourages where concentration and compassion and wisdom come not from an imposition of the will, but, but rather from a resting into what, what is. Um, what creates a kind of, which creates a kind of energy. Um, I found myself saying a receptive endurance. And I think um, maybe Dogen is pointing to this in the Bendoa, the wholehearted way, where he describes this Jiju Yu Zanmai, forgive my pronunciation, um, which as I understand it is this kind of concentration of, of self-enjoyment. Um, I've heard teachers uh, at the Village Endo refer to it as the joy of the self, selfing the self, which I, which I like a lot. Um, and, and in preparing for this talk, I found another perspective, which I wanted to share from 
Kosho Uchiyama, who says we can understand Jiju Yu's on my as the joy that arises when the self simply receives and accepts its function. And I think as I consider the endurance sport of life, um, for me, orienting towards this kind of engagement has been very helpful. Um, especially when approaching challenges that feel unsurmountable and require a kind of ceaselessness. So, you know, you need one kind of energy to sprint to catch the number one train and you need a different one to climb Mount Subaru. Um, and to kind of represent this or to, to illustrate a little bit about how it's showing up in my life, um, I wanted to share a story, but before I do, I wanted to share um, this, this feature of my mind, which is so interesting <laughs> that, you know, I don't know how many Dharma talks I've listened to. And unfortunately, so many of them, I, I don't know where they went, but I certainly don't remember them. And then these odd pieces of Dharma just stick with me for as long as up until now. And I don't know when it was, but many, many years ago, I, several years ago, let's say, um, Enkyo Roshi was talking um, in a Dharma talk. And I think the context was really about how um, we can practice anywhere, uh, anytime. And she, she mentioned when, like, for example, when you're waiting in line at a grocery store, you know, just And she said, don't wait. And I was very struck by that. I'm always waiting, waiting for the bell to ring, waiting for someone else to figure something out for me, uh, waiting in line. Um, and so, yeah, when you're waiting online, of course, you know, you, you, you're, you've got your groceries or, or you're at the DMV, you need to get your license renewed. But on another level, <clears throat> You're living your life completely, right? Right there in that moment. And there is no next thing. Um, so it was an interesting, I say, piece of Dharma that got stuck in my teeth for a long time. And it came back to me in stunning fashion a few days ago. So I was supposed to fly, um, to London, and I don't know if anyone's been reading about what's been going on in Schiphol Airport in the Netherlands, but they're having some issues. And I was aware of these issues, um, but had no choice. I was had my, my tickets, it was time to go. Uh, but I was, I felt like I was being reasonable and I showed up for a domestic flight um, two and a half hours early. And I got there and I'm really not trying to exaggerate when I say I've never seen anything like it. There were lines of people snaking 
all down the street. And then you walk into the airport and it's just this snake of people. And I walked in and some gentleman who works at the airport could see my look of confusion of where do I go? What do I do? And placed me in the queue. The first thing they do, which is cruel, is you start inside and then you go outside. And then you go back inside and then you go upstairs. But you don't know any of this is going to happen. Okay, so I'm here and I'm confronted with this long queue. And I have two small children. And anytime I travel by myself now, I feel like a million bucks. It's just so easy compared to traveling with children. So that's what I rested into first. Um, a band, a group that I love just came out with a new album. They haven't come out with an album in 15 years. And I had it downloaded and I thought to myself, I'll listen to the album. And I did. And I was so unfazed, you know, just looking around at the crowds. But then the album ended an hour later. And now I'm still in the queue. And I started noticing that I wasn't the only one in the queue. <laughs> People from all over the world um, were there. Uh, how many languages did I hear? And while I didn't get into that many conversations with my fellow travelers, I got into a few. And as you can imagine, people were traveling for incredibly different reasons. Um, a honeymoon, a sick parent that needed to go home, um, families. I don't know what they were doing or where they were going, but I can tell you that their children were hysterical just hysterical in the queue, crying, crying, crying. No amount of iPad viewing could stop it. And then this woman came out of nowhere and asked the father if she could offer the daughter a candy bar. There was this young man who I couldn't take my eyes off of because he was holding a two or three month year old baby and was just enveloping this child in a in a in a calm amidst this cacophony of craziness and then three hours passed and then four hours passed and i really asked myself why am i still on this line my flight is long gone. But I was advised that unless you want to do this again tomorrow, 
you got to go all the way through security and talk to somebody, try and figure it out. So I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. You know, my entertainment started to go at about hour four, four and a half. Again, the album was over. I think I had observed enough people for the day. Um, and I think I wasn't alone at hour four because people started to, you know, maybe it's time to cut the line. And this, this was really interesting, the, the strategies for cutting the line. My favorite is, you know, you wear your AirPods and you, you look at your phone. You're just so confused about everything. You just kind of stumble into a new place. Oh, what I, oh am I in a wrong place? Okay. And, and then if you get corrected, you just say, isn't this crazy? Um, I found this righteousness in me. You know, someone tried to cut the line and I got... I didn't know what to do. I was, I was uh, overwhelmed by the injustice, you know? But let me assure you that I cut a lot of lines. Um, and for some reason, I didn't try to cut the line on this day. Um, and you know, I, I actually think part of the reason is because around hour three, I realized that I was going to tell this story at the village Zendo Dharma talk. And somehow that just gave me that little inspiration to put one foot in front of the next, at least, at least at that moment. But I wasn't alone because there were people who would cut the line and then settle in to their new position. And then someone would try and cut them. But then they went into a fury. I can cut the line, but you can't cut the line. Um, so this went on. And I, I made it through security. So did I wait in line to get through security? I don't know. Then I got to my gate. Sorry. Sorry, Kobner. No flights today. And then I had to wait an hour and a half to go through customs to get out of the airport. I got on the train. And then I got on the bus going the wrong direction. And finally made it home. Um, and I have to say, on some level, it was, a, it was an interesting day. It was a good day. Um, all of my hopes for the day had been stunningly dashed. And yet there was so much humanity. And um, I certainly don't want to romanticize it, nor do I want to problematize it too much. It just was, you know, it was just a day of being at the airport, traveling. 
putting one foot in front of the next, seeing what comes up. But I, I did want to share with you um, what a gratitude I have for my practice um, and how interesting and um, touching it is for me, how it shows up, um, how it manifests. Um, and, and this was certainly one of those times where it really caught me off guard. Um, a different teacher from a different tradition, but one who I enjoy studying and reading, um, Dr. Cornell West has a nice quote um, that for me resonates in some small mundane way with the you know, painfully just humorous story I hoped to share where he calls upon us to have a blues sensibility, to be a blues person. He says, we must learn to make disappointment our constant companion without allowing the disappointment to trump your agency or foreclose your willingness to act. I'm just gonna read it one more time. He calls on us to have a blues sensibility, to make disappointment your constant companion without allowing the disappointment to trump your agency or foreclose your willingness to act. So I'll close with a very short gata and just say, don't wait. <laughs>